Chapter Fifteen of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Fifteen. Intrigue comes closer. When Penny reached home just after dark, she noticed a peculiarly deserted air about the ranch. Most of the horses belonging to the cowboys were gone from the corral when she turned Las Vegas in. The shack where Becky had lived was dark, and the big house nearly so. There was one lamp burning in the living room, and the kitchen wing was lighted. That was all. The usual bunkhouse sounds of laughter or murmuring voices against an occasional accordion or guitar background were not there. Penelope entered by the kitchen door. Gimlet rose to greet her, with anxiety showing in every one of the innumerable lines on his battered old face. "'Key ripes!' burst out Gimlet. "'Where you been?' Penny was somewhat taken aback by the old man's obvious agitation. "'What's the matter, Gimlet? Is anything wrong?' "'That's just it. I don't know.' It seems like all hell's due to bust loose, and yet they ain't a thing I can put a finger on. These things bilin' up, I tell you. I was scared damn near to death something had happened to you. But why? You sure everything's all right with you? You ain't met with no trouble? What kind of trouble? Where is everyone? I don't know what kind, just trouble. Trouble like being shot at, or like having threats made at you. Penny shook her head. I rode quite a way, she said, and didn't realize it was so late. Where is Uncle Bryant? It was when Gimlet replied that Penny felt her first frustration. He's gone, and God knows where to, or why. Gone, echoed the girl. Didn't he say anything? He come here to the kitchen, told me to pack some vittles in a sack, and stayed while I'd done it. He took the sack, throwed it into the buckboard, which same had two strong husses all hitched, then fetched Mort out in the house with his neck still bandaged, and the two drove off. Penny hadn't known Bryant to leave the basin in years. Yet she knew Gimlet must be telling the truth. "'Didn't he say when he was coming back?' she asked. "'Not a damn word.' Penny had counted on a heart-to-heart -heart talk with her uncle. Now that the talk was out of the question, at least for the time being, she felt a hopelessness that made her aware of how much she had counted on that talk. "'How long ago,' she said, "'did Uncle Bryant leave?' "'Just a little while after the argument.' "'Argument? What argument?' "'Him and that cowboy calling himself Yuma had another set to.' "'Yuma?' In her confusion of emotions, Penny could do little more than echo what Gimlet said. "'I tell you, there's been things going on, but nothing I can lay a finger on.' Bryant and Yuma talked low for a time, then both got to howlin'. 
I could hear some of what was said. Yuma was callin' on Bryant to see to it that Mort got what he deserved and got told to go to hell. That's what Uncle Bryant would tell him. Yuma said he'd done some thinkin' since the last row they had, and he figured that if Mort wasn't given what a killer should get, it was because Bryant didn't give a damn what went on in the basin. Oh, if Yuma could only understand Uncle Bryant, said Penny. Uncle Bryant can't be bulldozed into doing anything. One way to make certain he doesn't turn Mort over to the law is to order him to do it. They had a plenty of hot words, said Gimlet, shaking his head slowly. They was a heap of cussin' on both sides. When I heard what Bryant told about the shootin' of Becky, I was fit to be tied, I was so gall-darn mad. "'What did he say?' asked Penny eagerly. "'Said that Mort told him he never had no intent of shootin' Becky.' Penny's lips compressed. "'Mort claimed that he had seen a snake, a rattler, and a big one, and he was shootin' at that same, but his shot went wild and through the window to get his wife.' "'So,' said Penny softly, that's the story he's going to tell. He's told it, and Bryant's told it, and I reckon it'll stand. Ain't no way to prove otherwise. No, responded the girl, her confidence in Uncle Bryant severely threatened. There's no way to prove otherwise. I saved some chow for you, Gimlet said in an incidental way, if you want it. I reckon you're hungry. Penelope shook her head. I'm not hungry, Gimlet. I don't know what's going to happen, the old man said sadly. I do know one thing, though, and that's just this. Becky wasn't killed by no accident, and if Bryant says she was, he's as big a damn liar as Mort. Penny looked at Gimlet. She laid one hand on his skinny forearm below the rolled-back shirt-sleeve. Softly, she said, "'Gimlet, have you any idea why Rebecca was shot?' Gimlet dropped the gaze of his one eye to the floor and shifted his weight uneasily from one foot to the other. "'Tell me,' said Penny. "'I want to know.' Gimlet nodded slowly. I know, he said. That's what made me afeard for you. He stopped there, and Penny said, Go on. Gimlet drew a deep breath, as if, in telling the girl what he knew, he were leaping into a bottomless pit filled with icy water. I... I'm the one that got her killed. Penny waited knowing that when he enlarged on the amazing statement it would be vastly modified. I couldn't have helped it, though. I don't know where Becky learned that pack of killers from all parts of the state was being brought to jobs here so they could hide when they stole horses and cattle from outside the basin. She knowed it, though, and sent me with a note into Captain Blythe in Red Oak. I gave him the note and left like she told me to do. 
I don't know how the crooks here learned about it, but they sure as hell was ready when the Texas Rangers rid through the gap. They wiped em out a-plenty. But there'll be other Rangers coming to see what happened to them, said Penny. And alibis and lies a-plenty waitin' for them, same. By the time the next Rangers get here, there won't be a damn thing for him to see. The stolen cattle'll have new brands, and the crooks that's hidin' here will be hidin' where they can't be found. No one'll know nothin' about nothin'. Penny nodded slowly, realizing the truth in what old Gimlet said. If it's knowed by the crooks that you know what's goin' on, they'll do to you the same as they done to Becky. As for me, I'm expectin' to get kilt most any time. You said there wasn't anything you could put your finger on, Gimlet. It seems to me you know just about all there is to know. Can't prove nothing, though. Sides that, I don't know where Bryant stands. I wish I knew that, said Penny thoughtfully. One thing's sure. As long as he's here, there won't no harm come to you. Let him get killed, though, as I know damn well he's expectin', and God knows what'll happen. Another thing I don't know is who is bossin' things. Vince? Gimlet shook his head. Too cussed for any man to take orders from. Mort? Again the old man's head moved slowly from one side to the other. I don't think so. We can figure Jeb and Wally out as a matter of course. Maybe they know what's going on, maybe they don't. Jeb ain't the brains of a jackass, and Wally ain't hardly ever home. Has he returned from town? Nope. He left to tomcat around some more and maybe find a woman to raise Becky's kids. He ain't come back yet. Where have the other men gone? They moseyed out soon after the burying. I don't know where they went. Vince and some of them are in the front room of the house. Who was with Vince? Sawtell and Lombard and the man that talked with Bryant t'other night, uh, Lonergan. They've been chewing the rag in there ever since Bryant took Mort away. Gimlet turned to the huge stove and shoved a pan back from the heat. "'You sure you won't eat?' he asked. Penny felt that food would choke her. She wondered if there were anyone in the world to whom she might turn in confidence and trust. The door swung open suddenly, and Yuma stood in the opening. The big blonde cowboy's face was grim. He glanced at Gimlet, then the girl. "'Saw your hoss in the corral,' he explained. I got to ask you just one thing, Miss Penny. Penny nodded without speaking. She noticed that Yuma wore two guns, both tied low. His hat was well down on his forehead, and he had a leather jacket over his shirt. He seemed to be dressed for a considerable ride. Just one thing, he repeated ponderously. Well, what is it? I'm fixin' to pull stakes, 
the cowboy said. "'You don't know me very well, and you got no reason to trust me, exceptin' that I tell you I'm on the level. I know what I'm saying will sound crazy loco, and you won't pay no attention to it, but I'm wantin' to take you into Red Oak and see you out in this hell basin. There's folks there that'd make you right to home. You could teach school if you wanted to. Will you leave right now? Of course not, retorted Penny. Yuma nodded slowly. That's what I figured. I'll be there, though, if you ever need me. Penny could never know how Yuma had steeled himself to make the extravagant suggestion. The cowboy knew there wasn't a one-in-a-thousand chance that Penny would agree, and when he saw the scornful look, he had no more to say, no argument to put forth. He had made his request, and it had been turned down. His simple and straightforward way of thinking hadn't grasped the thing in the same way that Penny did. He knew the girl was in a dangerous place and wanted to take her from it, make her safe. She refused to go. That was all there was to it. The door closed, and Penny was about to voice her indignation, but Gimlet spoke first. The old man said, more soberly than he'd spoken before, "'Miss Penny, you should have gone.' "'Why, the nerve of that crazy cowboy! I don't even know his name. He's been here only a short time.' He's fought twice with Uncle Bryant, and told me what he thought of the only man in the world I ever cared for, my uncle. And now he expects me to leave home and go off to Red Oak teaching school? Leave here tonight? With him? It's the most ridiculous outlandish nonsense I— Penny stopped for breath. Gimlet said again, "'You should have gone.' "'I should, huh?' retorted Penny. "'I'd have to be gagged and hog-tied to go with that crazy wrangler, and even then I'd fight every inch of the way.' She turned abruptly and pushed through the door into the living quarters of the house. Gimlet blinked when the door slammed, almost in his face. He fingered his mustache reflectively and hummed through his knobby nose. "'Gagged and hog-tied, eh?' he muttered. "'He ripes, but maybe that's a good idea.' He hurried across the kitchen in a busybody sort of stride and followed Yuma into the darkness. Penny hoped to get upstairs into her bedroom without having to talk any further. Her mental state was in the lowest depth of despondency she'd ever known. It seemed that the more she learned, the more futile it became to look ahead to happiness in Bryant's Basin. Her nerves felt drawn to a tension that threatened to snap them like catgut drawn too tightly on a violin. It seemed as if nothing that could happen now made a great deal of difference. She turned a corner of the hall and stopped. At the foot of the stairs stood Vince Cavendish. At the sight of his cousin, Vince's shoulders seemed to droop, and his eyes assumed a woebegone expression that was something new. 
he advanced to the girl and said, "'God knows what's going to happen to us, cousin.' Penny had never heard Vince speak in that sort of tone. She looked at him suspiciously, wondering what was behind the beaten manner that was like a plea for sympathy. She moved her hand behind her as Vince sought to take it in his own. "'What's the matter with you?' she demanded. "'You act like a sick calf.' "'Double-crossed,' Vince said hollowly. "'Double-crossed by Uncle Bryant. He's sold the lot of us out.' Penny recalled some of the things Gimlet had told her. "'How?' she asked. "'I already signed,' said Vince. "'The men are upstairs now, getting Jeb's name on the paper, and they'll get yours when they come down.' "'My name to what paper?' "'One that Bryant had drawed up,' went on Vince in a melancholy voice. "'We gotta sign away any claim we might have on the ranch as his heirs. He wants to leave it all to someone else.' Who? Vince shook his head. Dunno. Why didn't Uncle Bryant tell us to sign the agreement, or whatever it is? Left it to some of the men to handle. He's gone into Red Oak with Mort. Reckon they're waiting there for the boys to get the paper signed and bring it to them there. I'll not sign a thing until I talk to him said Penny, flatly. And in the meantime, I'm going to bed. Vince shook his head slowly. You can't. Who's going to stop me? Sawtell and Lombard and Lonergan will be done with Jeb in a few minutes. They'll see that you sign somehow. Penny turned to go upstairs, but Sawtell's stocky figure appeared at the top of the flight. His voice was soft and smooth to match the bland expression of his wide face. "'Miss Cavendish,' he said as he started down the stairs, "'I'm glad you're back. We've something to talk about.' "'You've nothing to talk about with me,' the girl said to the descending man. "'Any business you have for Uncle Bryant can wait till he gets back here.' Sawtell smiled. I guess you don't understand. He won't be back here until we take some documents to him with your name and the names of your cousins signed to them. He halted at the bottom of the flight and took a folded paper, covered with close writing, from his pocket. Shall we go into the other room? he said. You can do what you want. I'm going to bed, retorted the girl starting once more. Sawtell gripped her arm. "'Let go of me!' "'I don't want to use any harsh methods, Miss Cavendish,' Sawtell said with his smile gone and an impatient edge in his voice. "'But I promise you, you're going to sign the agreement so we can start for town as soon as possible.' Penny jerked her arm free. She felt panicky, helpless, but dared not show it. Her gun was still on the belt about her waist, but the cartridges it had held were somewhere in the brush on Thunder Mountain. 
she was determined to get to her room, bar the door, and stay there until her uncle came home. No matter what Bryant did, she knew that he would let nothing serious happen to her. It was incredible that he'd left instructions, such as Vince had told her about, with men like Sawtell and Lombard. She wondered about Lombard and Lonergan. Gimlet had said they were here in the house. Upstairs? It was quite possible. The girl looked toward the front door, then at Sawtell. "'There's no use putting us all to a lot of extra trouble,' Sawtell told her. "'You'll only make it harder for yourself.' "'He's right,' put in Vince in a resigned voice. "'They ain't no use putting off the signing of that paper. Might as well do it and get it done with.' Penny's jaw was firm. "'I won't do anything until I talk to Uncle Bryant.' Sawtell nodded slowly. "'All right, then. We'll have to bring Jeb down here.' He called curt orders up the stairs, and in a moment Jeb, struggling between Lonergan and Lombard, was practically carried down the stairs. His eyes were wide and staring, and his lean face white with terror. "'Do what they want,' he cried to the girl. No matter what it is, you sign it like what I done. If you don't, they'll brand me with a poker. Take him to the fireplace, ordered Sawtell. Put some ropes around him, then come back for Vince. This girl will do what Bryant says, or she'll see slow murder with a lot of pain. No, no, cried Vince. Not me. As if by magic, a gun appeared in Sawtell's hand. "'You,' he said, "'as well as Jeb.' Penny watched the wide-eyed Jeb and the cringing, wincing Vince being dragged, howling, to the fireplace, where Lombard and Lonergan tossed ropes about them. The two were jerked off their feet and stretched on the floor, and more ropes looped around their ankles made them helpless. Sawtell, gun still in hand, watched the procedure, unmoved and expressionless. Lonergan's black eyes reflected the leaping flames when he faced Sawtell. His black mustache, so carefully brushed and tapered, seemed to twitch with his eagerness to make the next move. Sawtell nodded, and the former gambler grabbed the poker in lean fingers and shoved it deep among the red-hot coals. Stark terror from their souls showed in the eyes of the captured men. Vince drooled supplications for mercy, begging Penny to sign Bryant's agreement and save him from the torture of the heated iron. Jeb wailed conglomerate quotations, misquoted, from the scriptures. Sawtell approached Penelope. "'You have a few minutes to think it over,' he said, "'while the iron gets red-hot. "'Have you ever heard a man scream with the pain of being branded?' He paused, lowered his voice, and added, "'In the eyes?' End of chapter 15